0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast, season five, episode 16. Today, we have an amazing interview. That's coming up. Right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. (laughs) What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. You know, when you crack a joke during that, and then you're like, you almost get the giggles and you can't get rid of them. That's what's happening. So... On today's episode, we have an amazing couple that we're going to introduce to you in just one second. But before we jump into that, what's on your mind today, my love?
1: I'm just super excited about this interview because we have never had... We want to help blended families, right? And we don't need to just talk about stepkids, bio kids. Parenting. You know, parenting, marriage, we need to include and encompass financial things for blended families in that, right? And yeah. on this episode it's we finally get to talk about financial planning from a
0: professional, not, not us bozos. Right. What do we know? We don't. You don't want to take our advice, trust me. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll go on a trip. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Greg should actually financial plan us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so without a further ado, I want to introduce to you our guests that are on today. All right, everybody, I'd like to welcome today Greg and Janita Pettis. Welcome to the show, guys.
2: Thank you. Great to be on. Thanks.
0: So we're pretty excited to have you guys on. We had an opportunity to, to, to find out a little bit about you at the summit that we were at, and we've been blessed to be able to have a few different people on our show yeah. from the summit. So. Uh, you know, it's just been a real big blessing. I want everybody to know on the screen. You know, there is a a book that Greg co-authored with Ron Deal. Ron mm-hmm. has been on our show multiple times. Most we of are. our viewers and listeners know who Ron Deal is, so uh, this gives a little bit of credence to Greg and his ability <laughs> and, and his knowledge. So we're we're great with that. But it's really important that everybody knows. Like we have never really had an opportunity to have a professional come on our show and talk about finances. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. But before we dive into that. Why don't you guys share with our listeners and viewers a little bit about who you guys are each and how you guys met?
1: They're Michigan State wow. fans. We do know that, everybody. So uh,
2: That's no. right. I was born in Lansing, Michigan. And, uh, yeah, I loved, I just love the state of Michigan. It's a great state. For all of our Wolverines, I'm still a Michigan fan. I, I love just Michigan in general. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we, we met when Greg's career after his divorce took him from Cincinnati, Ohio to Evansville, Indiana. And I grew up near the Evansville area and was teaching in Evansville. He met my dad first, and I guess dad approved, um, he met my dad first through Lions Club activities. And he knew that my dad had two older daughters who were married already and then this younger daughter who was a teacher who wasn't married. <laughs> And so we all ended up at a convention in Denver, Colorado, one summer. And summer of
2: 88,
3: wasn't it? He and I, yeah, yes. Yeah. He and I met there uh summer of 88 and got married summer of 89. So. Yeah, um, her
2: dad was a great guy. I mean, how, <laughs> how could I lose without uh, him introducing?
3: Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, when we got married, um, his children from the previous marriage were eight, five and three. so they were in Cincinnati where
2: they still
3: yeah where he grew up and where they still lived with their mom and we were in Evansville Indiana so about a four-hour trip every time we went to see the kids or they came to see us or we'd meet in the middle or whatever so um started off right you know as little families do started right off with kids and um the different
2: and she she's an amazingly gifted person because she inherited an eight five and (laughs) three-year-old And she was only twenty three, is that right? Twenty-four.
3: Before we got married, yeah. And
2: wow. so you know to imagine, you know, the weight of, of that and all the initial well shock. <laughs> I, th- um,
3: I think being a teacher helped. So I was sure not did. totally yeah. um, unknown to kids. So I think being a teacher helped, but yeah. um, so we then added three kids of our own to the to the family. And so um, we have four boys total. Uh, it goes boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, boy.
2: Twenty years apart. Of
3: Threw off the pattern there at the end. Um, yeah, so <laughs> added three of our own. So um, you do get the the big eyed look when you say that you have six kids, and people are like, "What?" <laughs> They're just not used to that big a family anymore. But. Um, yeah.
2: Or when she was 24 and we were at the state fair and they were trying to guess her age with <laughs> an eight-year-old, a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of teddy bears out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: great. That's
2: funny. So I guess
3: 1998, we moved from uh, Evansville, Evansville Indiana, to Springfield, Illinois. We're, and for, been...
2: for, our career, for our career. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been blending all the way. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
0: that's great. So do you have any kids still at home now?
3: Our youngest just finished junior year of college. So he goes to school about an hour away from us. Um, He was on campus freshman year. COVID happened. He was home sophomore year and everything was online. Um, And then he was back at school for junior year. So He's home in this summer, living at home, doing an internship here in town, and then we'll go back for senior year. So, mm-hmm.
2: real proud of Blake. He's pitching for uh, Illinois State University club team mm-hmm. and uh, got a 3.9 GPA in, in kinesiology. So, he's going to be a, a, a
3: strength and conditioning coach.
2: Strength and conditioning coach. Yes, right.
0: Yeah. So, so, he, so he gets his smarts from who?
2: Um, his mom. All, of them. all <laughs> of them got their smarts from their mom. that's a good answer we've got a good variety of children it's been a real good lesson for blending uh i'd say a couple of them are you know pretty close to geniuses like she is (laughs) and uh, they're all gifted in so many different ways we have a gemologist we have a national park ranger we have a navy pilot we have a wedding planner who owns her own company and we have a very special needs, a very special, special needs son. And so you just put all that together and just mm-hmm. put it in the blender. And it just, it's taught us so many things.
3: No, you don't put it in the blender. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. right. You put it in the crock pot. Somebody's read the book. I should know. Yeah. So. I,
0: I think this is such a testimony though. And I think people need to really hear what's happening with you guys right now that, you put the time and the energy in and keep Christ at the center of what's going on in your lives. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's easy for us to see the victories in the stories in the Bible. It's hard for us to live in the beginning part portions of it, though, when we're battling through it. And a lot of people that watch or listen are in the battle phase, you know, in blended well, families. Josh, and so, right. yeah, and you get to we hear some to victories that you guys ha- are having lose. going on.
2: And that's amazing. And I don't know if you've heard about our, our major victory, but... We had twenty-eight good years, uh, and, and somewhere in somewhere in the latter part of that, I kind of began to get pride. And I, you know, the thing about pride is that I discovered is you you don't know you got it, mm-hmm. but I certainly did, and I was deceived. And well, our marriage went on the rocks. This was our remarriage. <laughs> it was on the rocks in twenty seventeen. We divorced, and. Uh, the miraculous about this is God granted me the gift to see what I had lost mm. and to repent and to humble myself, get back in counseling with her. And we are in our third honeymoon year of a remarriage uh, from a blended. So, I mean, we've been re-blended.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: and the awesome. Lord the Lord has been so gracious. You can imagine, you know, the, the odds of remarrying uh, after a divorce is very very low without the lord it would have been impossible but we yeah. we it was neat re, re, getting to know each other again dating again and just the beauty of falling back in love was was a gift from the lord jesus for sure yeah
0: yeah thank you for yeah, first yeah. off for sharing that that's that vulnerability is amazing you know it's it's helpful because not everybody's willing to share those things that happen Mm -hmm. in their own personal lives. And so, first off, thank you for that. And second, I think it's important for people to know that we may may not be able to see the possibility, but God can. And if we rely on Him, you know, things that we just don't think can happen can happen. And so that's just amazing.
2: But her willingness to be forgiving and just just the heart of Jesus, she's never, ever brought any of this up. Never even hinted at it. Never been an attitude of it. She's been just an, uh, a pure uh, angel for about the love of God and, and mm. demonstrating to me uh, what that really means. That's um, awesome. I love that. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, what made you guys decide to start helping blended families?
3: The church we went to um... twenty years ago. 21 yeah Yeah, um they wanted to start a blended family ministry um they had a lot of other they had divorce care they had grief care they had a lot of other kinds of ministries and they wanted to start a blended family ministry and they approached about half a dozen of us couples that they knew were in blended families and they asked us to go to Vaughn's seminars so um one or two couples at a time went to different locations and went to the seminar as an attendee, you know, went through the weekend as an attendee and then we hosted at our church and brought Ron in and had a seminar at our church and then opened it up to people to start the small group from there. Was that
2: about 2006, five, six, somewhere in there?
3: I believe Uh, it was. was before that.
2: Okay. So let's say it was 20 years ago uh, at lunch break, Uh, at, at Ron's seminar, he came and sat at our table and asked what I did. And I shared with him financial services. And he said, well, well, that's cool. What do you like to do on your your spare time? Oh, I, I write a little bit. (laughs) And he said, I need you to write me an article on prenuptial agreements. And I'm going to run it by our friend, Howard Dayton.
3: Oh, we don't call him that. Uh,
2: Howard was his crown financial. Uh, You probably know he took over from Larry Burkett. Wow. Uh, and i said okay i wrote it and it ended up in the lap of howard dayton and ron said now he wants to get a bunch, he wants to get some guys together for a think tank down in dallas greg meet me down there i'll fly from little rock and you fly from springfield i'll meet you down at the marriott in dallas we're going to have a, some, some guys talk to Howard dayton uh, about his new book uh, uh, about mapping financial matters. I said, okay, I'm, I'm willing to go to a seminar. <laughs> I walk into the Marriott in Dallas and it, I said, where's the seminar? What seminar? And I, well, Howard Dayton. He's in a room with the president of Focus on the Family, Bob Lupine, you know, five doctorates.
3: And by the way, Ron got snowed in on walk and didn't get to come to the meeting. So, so I'm there. It was flying solo. <laughs>
2: flying solo. Without Ron, and I'm sitting in a meeting with PhDs that are just, they're, heads and shoulders above my level. They're talking about their radio programs and TV shows. And I'm just sitting here wondering, Lord, what am am I here for? (laughs) Uh, 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 Power says, now after about 45 minutes of my silence, and they're all talking, uh, he said, now when we come back from our break, Greg is going to talk to us about prenuptial agreements. And most of the guys put their shields up and pushed away from the desk and said, we hate prenuptials. We're not going to ever talk about prenups. Prenups are, are, are a, a, a declaration of what you're not going to get when I divorce you. And I, I'm thinking, now I'm being crucified. I, I, I was on my way, way to break. And on the way there, I got zapped with a concept that's in a, chapter two of our book. And it is called the togetherness agreement. Mm-hmm. It's the prenuptial, which has some elements that are very important in financial planning for blended families. But there's so much animosity in an in a prenup, it, you know, it's basically a declaration of future divorce, and what you're not going to get and what I'm not going to do. Mm. But we we got our heads together and thought, well, if we just shook, turn that thing upside down and shake that animosity out of that prenup, (laughs) and insert some agape love and now it's things like we're not going to give you the company that's going to our previous children but what we will do is put a million dollars of stock in a nice trust for you to live on for the rest of your life when i'm gone and when you're gone it comes back to my children but we're not going to you know let you have the inheritance that my father left me but what we will do is put a million dollars worth of insurance in a trust Mm. to help you Mm. and your children so Instead of this is not what you're going to get, it's just a lot of clarity around mm-hmm. emotionally-laden issues. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's how I met Ron and how it kind of developed, because from that meeting, Ron said, we're going to write a book together one day.
3: And that still took several years. About 10, I
2: think, Yeah, yeah. About, about 10 years later, we wrote this uh, Smart Step Family Guide to Financial Plan. You know, so, for instance,
3: one of the things that's in our togetherness agreement is mm-hmm. because he has a special needs son, we can't leave an equal amount of money to him because he, he cannot. Uh,
2: He'd be disqualified from federal social security and the state of Ohio Medicaid.
3: Right. So, but, so the other five kids know when things are shared equally among the other five, but the, the idea that they all know they would help the sixth brother when if he ever needed it.
2: And we have a special needs trust with, with life insurance being uh, put into that at my departure. So mm-hmm. James, like my dear son, will have everything that he, well, for his special needs, it'd be for those extra things, you know, tickets to the ball game, uh, you know, uh, season tickets to the Kings Island in Cincinnati, and other mm-hmm. things that he just he would really enjoy. So cool. I don't mean to yeah. ramble, but that's how we yeah. met Ron, and and that's how it kind of you know developed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's great. That was going to be our next question. So I'm glad you just led right into it. So Janita, how do you feel that the, the, the friendship or the relationship with Ron over these years with Greg has added value to your guys' own personal family?
3: Uh, Ron and Nan are wonderful. And I know Nan's, I think, able to travel more with Ron than she was maybe, you know, in the past, but, um, we still look back on things, just like a while ago when he accidentally said blender, and I'm like, no, it's crockpot. I mean, mm. I still can visualize. And as a teacher, I saw, I saw those things playing out in the classroom sometimes. For sure. You know, he does that um, example where the kids got the luggage and they're tied to the parents with the ropes, and this happens and that happens, and suddenly the kids caught up in all the ropes. You know, mm. um, I would see that play out sometimes in the classroom as a teacher then. Seeing those, well, mom and dad won't come sit down at the parent teacher conference together, mm-hmm. you know. Or, but I also saw some wonderful instances where they did work, and bio mom and stepdad and <laughs> remember the mystery, so I, say, I say it right: both bio parents and both step parents would all four sit down together and have a teacher conference with me. And so I saw those kind of positive things too. but and,
2: and it's not just great for emotional. Uh, you know, uh, health, but we'll we'll probably touch on a little bit today about college funding. When couples sit down to do their FAFSA forms for their uh, college-bound students, there are some really neat, uh, well, very small adjustments that couples can make to enhance the potential for their children to receive grants and scholarships.
1: That's
0: cool. Yeah, my my son my is, you know, I told you guys before we even started today that my son goes to Michigan State University and uh, having a blended family has given him some opportunities like you're mentioning, yeah. Greg, that's really uh, a leg up, honestly, you know, a huge advantage. Not that being part of a blended family is an advantage because we've struggled on so many things like it doesn't outweigh it by any means, but. You know, but there is small wins, which I do want to dive into that later in the show. I really want to, you know, share with, you know, some knowledge where people could gain from that from later. But sure. we personally have, you know, experienced some wins from things of that nature that most people may not even know about. And that's that's you know, great. You, you yeah. must.
2: Uh, it doesn't surprise me because you're good communicators. So you must have had time with the other couple to chat about a few things. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's been it's been rough over the years for us, but ultimately, you know, it's, he was important, you know, my son was the important part of it. And Mm -hmm. even though we have a hard time communicating, we did what was necessary to make it work out for him. And that was the important part, you know, and sometimes it's easy. And especially Janita, as you, as a teacher, you see how this could be one extreme to the next with people at school, you know, and I believe that you guys having, this opportunity really to grow and and get connected well with blended families and understand about serving them, you know, can really push over into your position, even as a teacher to be able to love on people, even, even in a different way.
1: Our blended family is a little bit different too, is that he, he has two, I have two, but his daughter isn't biologically his daughter. Mm -hmm. So when he got married to his now ex-wife, she had a two-year-old daughter And then they had a son together. And then when they divorced, she came with her brother. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I had two boys. So then when him and I got together, we had, you know, one girl and three boys, but that added a little, you know, little different layer of blessings blessings and, and issues to our family, but we've gotten through it. And our kids, all four of our kids are like best friends. They love each other.
2: And we're still working through the dynamics uh, of older children choosing to harbor pain from the previous divorce. And uh, it's been, well, been good for me to learn how to let go, truly let go. I remember having not heard from my oldest son for three years. uh, I woke up one morning and you know how sometimes when you're in that pre when you're just waking up the voice of the lord is more clear to me and i heard i heard the holy spirit speak to my spirit uh along the lines of you be the father to the ones that want you to father them and let me be the father to those who don't right now
0: Wow, that's
2: good. I, uh, it's so it's so released me josh when i truly handed over uh uh a two of my older children that right now are, are still working through some things, uh, should'ves and could'ves and would'ves and comparison with the younger family and to, for me to truly give it to the Lord and say, okay, I'll father the ones that I can. And then if the ones I can't, would you would you please? And he is, and I know that it's, we really do uh, believe that God will restore and heal. Uh, because we've seen it in our own relationship, in our marriage.
0: Yeah, you can tell by the way that you're talking about it that you have peace about
2: it. It's not been easy, but there is peace. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Those are really I two mean, majorly different things. Being, we can yeah. have peace about something, and it can still be
2: difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, what do you believe is the singest, single biggest financial difference? between nuclear and blended families
2: financially. If I could start uh I think it's the concept of what does fair mean to us? When I bring that up in financial planning, there's usually a good 15 minutes of discussion about fair. <laughs> and I think the best word synonym that I've heard from other couples is equitable. What is equitable? Because in as like Johnny to mention in our situation, we we can't leave one sixth of the estate to our special yeah. needs son. It will disqualify him from what the things he needs. So, what is equitable is not going to be exactly the same. I think with a nuclear traditional family, being fair is easier
3: mm-hmm.
2: than yeah. having the blend. And well. That's not the way it was when we first worked together. And well, that's not the way it is now. But <laughs> so you've got all the dynamics of what was told the children from an earlier age. And then what was told the other set of children and their expectations. And then what we are what we're developing an agreement over.
0: Mm.
2: We experienced that with college, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. It's almost it's just it's just almost like uh, anything else with parenting. The first child comes through, you make this decree: <laughs> this is what you're going to do for college, and then the second one doesn't want to go to college and takes another little route. Well, what are we? Is are we going to spend the same amount of money? Probably not. Then another next one gets a full ride scholarship to the U.S. Navy Naval Academy. And they're paying him to go to college. Now, now, (laughs) at one point, he looked at us and said, "Hey, um, since I got the scholarship and you don't have to pay me, uh, can you just allocate that for like my first car or my? (laughs) (laughs) Of course,
3: Um, jumping on a house,
2: (laughs) you know. And and then my special. So the whole, the whole. What does fair mean to a parent? Mm -hmm. I think changes drastically, don't you, with a, a blended family?
0: yeah yeah so something that comes up a lot for us is when people get together into a blended family into a second or third marriage and now what is your feeling do you have a steadfast feeling on about joining accounts bank accounts checking accounts savings accounts Mm. you know we we have our own personal feelings on it but we're not financial advisors neither so what is your take on that and there's more opinions than ours we have a lot of opinions <laughs> yeah go ahead
3: well i mean we joined everything right from the start but i didn't you know i didn't have previous kids. i was bringing into the marriage but um i know from the financial end of it that does probably have to be really looked at in each person's situation but um
2: yeah, you know, there's no there's no absolute right and no absolute wrong. One bucket of money, two buckets, three, four. Um uh, to me, having accounts is like having keys. Some of the keys on her keychain I also have on my keychain. We both have a key to the front door. So let's say that's a joint account in my analogy.
3: He likes analogies. <laughs> but then
2: I've got a key to the YMCA that she doesn't, because she doesn't belong, she has her own workout regimen. So she doesn't need that account. That's the account that I need. But I think the important part of this is no matter how many accounts that we have, that we are absolutely 100% transparent, Mm. that there's no money secrets, and that we have agreed upon governors uh, dollar amounts that we can only go up to and spend without each other knowing. Agreed. And that's an agreed upon number, yeah. okay? Anything over a hundred or anything over five hundred, whatever it is, each family has to determine yeah. their governor. Yeah. But no matter what your governor is, you have to be transparent and be able to show your spouse your individual account and what you're doing. Yeah. I think. Yeah yeah transparency is where loyalty trust comes in and feelings of uh, unfairness don't have any place when you uh, know secrets
3: well hopefully that transparency was from the start too that you're not bringing mm-hmm. secret debt or whatever mm-hmm. into the relationship
2: that's hopefully, a good
3: point hopefully that's all coming out yeah before, before the marriage but
2: if i could have I don't know. A perfect scenario is premarital counseling includes your credit scores, (laughs) a a list of your debts, your credit cards, your debts, and your income, your net worth, and uh, you know uh, your goals. I mean, when we were when we were dating to get remarried (laughs) in 2018, was just a wonderful year. We sat down, and I remember it was at the uh, Olive Garden. We were talking. About our dreams and goals, our our needs, our wants, and our wishes. And I remember we both agreed that we wanted to buy a new house together.
3: So we were both renting at the time.
2: After the divorce, we sold, sold our home. Yeah. And we were both renting. And the neat thing is, Josh, she she reached her hand across the table mm-hmm. onto my hand where I could see she didn't have a ring anymore. And she said, I guess you should know that I'm gonna need new rings. And as soon as she said that, the gentleman in the booth right next to us at Olive Garden, or it was Red Lobster, dropped on his knee right out there about seven feet from us and proposed to his date.
0: That's awesome. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Now that's a story. That's not a bad confirmation, I
3: think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's It's great.
3: Like like when we got married, we came from very different financial backgrounds. My dad was very much of a budgeter. I mean, I watched it. I remember when I got my first teaching job and I realized that I was making almost as much money as my dad had been making in his late in his later years and I was like wow and he made it work he was very mom, frugal my safer. mom was a stay-at-home mom so um but you know knowing to how to budget and having not necessarily pockets but I mean mm-hmm. you know he put money aside for things and save for things if he was going to yeah. do a bigger purchase that kind of thing unfortunately his mom was not of that mentality and he came from a very different upbringing of what you did with money well my mom
2: spun the globe and said pick any country in the world we're going to move when i was 11. (laughs) she was a spender and and i think in many couples there's a saver and a spender and you have to discuss your financial personality Mm -hmm. and your risk profile the financial personality is is i think more important than any other natural gift set that you come into in your marriage. So if you, if you're a saver and you marry a saver, God bless, <laughs> but if you're a spender, you marry a spender and neither have you have, have had any budgeting experience, Woo. Amazing grace. Come on. Amazing grace.
1: I think I would actually be more of a saver. When him and I first got together, I didn't want to spend money on anything except for bills. That's it. And he was like, no, we're going to go on a honeymoon, which I didn't go on with my first marriage, you know, and things like that. And he turned me into he... he, dangled that carrot in front of my face (laughs) and now it's like we go on trips like we take our kids like this is experience you know we take all of our kids on trip we've only done it a
0: couple times i don't quite spin the globe okay it's not (laughs) quite
1: (laughs) but we go on cruises you know so we go like whatever but uh yeah, so now he's turned me into where I will try to save, and he's like, "You only live once. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> it's not well, that. That's
2: a good, you know, combination. <laughs> it's a good combination, you know. Yeah, uh, I think we do complement. We, as a couple, God puts us together with complementary traits. We just have to talk about them, get them out, mm-hmm. and then maybe help. Well, nurture each other. I, I wouldn't say retrain, <laughs> because, though. She has said that. Mature dogs can learn new tricks. Yeah. That's what the phrase. She doesn't say I'm an old dog. I'm a mature he's,
3: he's cooked one the last three years than he did in the first twenty-eight, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> he's learning. <laughs> he's maturing. That's the yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: You that's do cool. learn. Especially cool. after the second time. You you know, we learn things. Yeah. That a man yeah. can a man can do nothing wrong in the kitchen. <laughs> no, that's the <how>
0: said. <laughs> You know, though, you know, when you were talking about the accounts and bank accounts and stuff, something that we've noticed, too, and we've even had friends in the past that were uh, blended couples and, you know, they get married and they get together. And all of a sudden he's like the husband is like, "Uh, I just found out my wife had a twenty thousand dollar maxed out credit card from her last marriage. And the reason I bring that up is because. With transparency, there's lack of trust. And we already have trust issues going into a second or third marriage. Mm -hmm. We're already weary because we don't. Yeah. yeah, Or grief from a death, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So we're already hesitant. So, you know, it only takes a little bit of something not go right for that trust to be just really hard to reclaim. And so, you know, that's why I really wanted you to kind of share on that. And I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that you mentioned the important part is being open and honest about it. You know, everybody well, yeah, has their I own mean, path, but it's honesty that's going to make the difference.
1: Do you, Would you say I've that's heard. the most, like if you had specific financial advice to give blended family, getting ready to, if they're getting ready to be together, or even if they've been together for a while now, because we know couples that have been like, no, we got married and it's his money, his account, my money, my account. But then if you talk to them, they live very separate lives. They live more like roommates. Yeah. You know, than anything else, they never joined anything to come together to join their life. So if you had specific financial advice for blended families, would you say transparency would be what you would tell them?
3: Because I, I mean, keeping everything separate, I think just really shows fear. You know, that way, again, it's almost like, well, when something happens, I can just take my money and go. I mean, it just seems like that's being very fearful. Yeah.
2: I think um, regular um, discussions on date nights, huh. when when you're on a mountaintop and you know, you're at that candlelit uh, uh, Italian beautiful <laughs> dinner and it's romantic and all, you know, sharing some reality there too. So honey, how do you feel about, you know, buying that boat or would you rather put it aside and be you know how do you feel about you know talking about real things can can well you know being romantic is one thing but sticking together in peace in harmony is another mm-hmm. and until 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 i let her know my personality is a spender and please help me with you know overspending well i'm just going to cause a problem for us and until You know she can tell me she's afraid of losing this or that because of a previous relationship so i think regularly we talk about this in our book for every fact that we if you throw out a fact child support underneath the tip of that iceberg is a huge emotional laden underpinning Mm -hmm. and and the more that we can get down into the underpinning with each other I mean, the more intimate we can be, if, if she knows, I'm afraid every time she says, you know, vacation, oh, I, I don't want to spend money. Mm-hmm. Um, or if every time I say that child support, it makes her feel, you know, you know, guilty for having to pay extra dollars, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. so. I think regular communication and being aware that there's a lot of emotions underneath the facts and being a uh, gentle patient, like she's demonstrated to me so many mm-hmm. times, you know, uh, that to me has been a key is, is discussion about weaknesses. Yeah. yeah,
3: Yeah. I think that's one thing he sees in his business world more than anything is just questions people haven't thought to ask you know he often starts you know business discussions just asking questions and Mm -hmm. often it's things people had not you know had not thought to ask
2: a good one is so what does fair mean to you so in this situation husband wife what what looks fair here what what does fair look like to you that's a big one and how do you feel about that's that's always Before we make this decision, how does that make you feel? How do you feel? And let them let them vent the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm -hmm. And circle back in prayer, keeping Jesus as the center.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I could tell you, that's probably uh, the number one reason that we're still together after 31 31 years with a big valley in between (laughs) uh, is we spend time each morning in the word of God together, praying informally, just praying like we're just Conversing with the Lord together, um, it's 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 five minutes here, seven, eight minutes, ten minutes. It's not it's not lengthy, yeah. but we have our favorite Bible reading. To, uh, we usually play an audio Bible, and we we pick we go through the New mm-hmm. Testament a couple times a year, and we just listen, and then we pray. Help us, Lord, with this situation at work. Help us over here with the kids, oh, mm-hmm. or what should we do about that? We're just conversing together. Mm-hmm. Isn't that been? I think. The, yeah. The, I think the the key to uh to our sticking together.
0: Yeah, it's the intentionality of your relationship. You know, you're you're mentioning financial decisions. We have to be very intentional with that because, you know, Janita said something about living in fear. It's easy for us to live in fear and not want to talk about certain things. Christy and I talked about it just the other night about something even off topic, not even financial, but. You know, I don't want to tell her to not use her phone because I don't want her to tell me not to use my phone, you know, and I and jokingly, but I believe that is an easy way to put up walls in our relationships and say, I don't want to talk about this financial thing that I have an issue with, with their kid, because I don't want them mm-hmm. to point a finger back at me about my kid. And yeah. so being intentional in our relationship and saying, I care more about us growing closer together and stronger is really where it's at about financially, you know, about our marriage, about becoming closer, about growing cleaner and closer with our relationship with Christ together. And so, uh, you know, I love that message you're saying because it's important. It's God can heal it.
1: Well, the other thing about it is too, is that most Adults are broken adults. They were raised by broken parents, just like our kids are being raised by broken parents. No different. Mm, And when you go to someone for advice too, some people don't like to feel stupid. So when you ask them a question that they've possibly never thought of themselves, they internally instantly go on the defense because they feel like they should have known that because they don't like to look stupid. Mm-hmm. Or you have one spouse that wants to say, I told you so as soon as you get in there type yeah. of thing. So it, it above and beyond finances, the communication and the discussion, that's why it's so important because people are already going in potentially with their own baggage. If it's at the start of their relationship and they are already on the defense, ready to point the finger at the other person because they think they've thought of everything so it's I can only imagine you know how because I was one of those people like I'm like I have thought of everything okay and I didn't say maybe say it out loud but that's what I thought and then you go in somewhere you know and you're talking to someone and they bring it up and I'm like man why didn't I think of that you know and now I make fun of it you know now I'm just like oh I should have thought about that damn but I used to get defensive because I was broken I grew up and had a lot of hurts and my life. So I was a very defensive person. So you probably turn into a therapist sometimes a little bit. You
2: know, what we do is financial therapy. Yeah. And in a multitude of counselors, there's safety and victory. One of the proverbs says it's safety. One of them says there's victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without a multitude of counselors, people f- fail. The mm-hmm. people ask me, Greg, can we do this on our own? I said, sure. I mean, I can, I can pop a, a frozen dinner in the microwave and have a pretty decent eat. Uh, that's fine. I can do it myself. But if I'm really uh, wanting to serve my family the way that I want to, I need a recipe book. At least I need to buy a good book and study the recipe book on how to make it. But I also would bring in a. I bring in an expert to do the filet. Mm. I'm not good with that. I burn the meat. I bring in an expert for the filet, and I bring in someone to do the saute. You know. Asian vegetables or whatever. If I'm So it depends on the level of your financial sophistication, let's say, or complexity.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Some of it you could do on your own. There's a lot of good opportunities to do that, more now than ever. But I still have a financial advisor. I have an attorney, I have a CPA, and I surround myself with people that are smarter than me. <laughs> That's why I married her. <laughs> um, and so i believe in a team i believe jesus did i believe jesus believed in the team approach mm-hmm. yeah. but you know putting peter uh, james and john the sons of, of thunder uh, along with levi they were trained to terrorize uh you know the, the tax collector the uh, mm-hmm. and then some throw a few fishermen in there and uh, <laughs> shake it all together and wow look what you got Mm-hmm. So, good. so I believe in, in a in the, one of the first steps I tell is, is financial planning is uh, all about teamwork. It's about being humble enough to ask the CPA or recommendations about tax advice and ask your attorney, do I have the proper structure? Uh, is my power of attorney updated? Does my will look like it's up to speed? These are basic documents. Every American family should have wills, trusts, Powers of attorney for finance and healthcare.
1: Mm-hmm. My sister just passed her bar. She's a lawyer, and yeah, that's what she yeah. does. And her and yes. I were out together a few weeks ago. And I, my, our grandma is almost ninety years old, and she doesn't have a will. We just found out. And so my sister was like, "You need to call her over your house, and I'll meet you there, and we'll do it." So we were doing it. And while we were sitting there, she looked at us and she's like, do you guys have wills? Do you have POAs? Do you have this? And we were like, no. And she's like, we're doing it right now. You know, because she sees. Yeah, Yeah. she sees now because she's in it all the time. And she sees the turmoil it causes families, you know, if they don't.
2: Especially with with minor children if we don't name custodian for the children, mm-hmm. the state you live in will have a conservatorship and they'll, um, they'll appoint someone mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. care of your kids. Mm-hmm. Could be that your kids get raised completely different than what you had in mind. That's scary. Um, not to mention, you know, we don't want to put the burden on, uh, on our children to decide what does artificial resuscitation mean <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: uh, after we've gone into a coma. You, you want to have that on, in writing. And you can probably get that whole set of documents completed, depending on where you are in America. You know, somewhere in the, I just ballpark, 500 to $1,500 range, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in that range, depending off you're in a rural area or a big city. It's worth every penny to have those documents to hand to your children and say, look, if this happens, you don't have to keep me plugged in. Yeah, just send yeah. me to glory. <laughs> You know, or if this happens, this is what I meant. I want you to have that. And the reason I want you to have that is because I give this over here to your brother because it's not exactly equal, but it's what you both need to maximize your gifting in the earth.
0: Yeah. So earlier in the show, we mentioned about uh, college and you were going to kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Won't you uh, help our viewers and listeners know about this piece of gold that you have in your pocket?
2: Again, we've learned a lot from, you know, our mistakes and from having six different uh, uh, arrows in the quiver when it comes to college. And one of the things that I've discovered, and it's in chapter eight in our book, the Smart Step Family Guide to Financial Planning, is that the, the the Department of Education, which is the department of our government that stands behind the FAFSA, the, f- the free application for federal student aid that you have to fill out at least the year Uh, uh, of your senior year of college, of of high school, going into college, and then every year after. This Department of Education doesn't care who has legal custody of the child. Mm -hmm. It's the parent set that has the child the most calendar days in the year Mm -hmm. that is obligated to fill out the FAFSA. So let's say, Let's say we're blue collar workers, you know, let's just say we're making together, we're making 60,000 hardworking Americans with great values. And my ex is a, well, a rocket scientist that's making a a million a year. And she married an open heart surgeon (laughs) making 2 million a year and all right. And they have custody. If we would have just chatted a little bit and we had Johnny live with us just three or four more days during the summer, you know, a hundred and what is it, 186 days versus 184 or something like that. Mm -hmm. If we would have just had our son just a few more calendar days in the year, in the year of his senior uh, year, then we would have been the ones responsible to fill out the FAFSA. What would that have meant is that with our lower income, that our son would have had a much greater chance of scholarships and needs based money grants,
0: and that's huge too because number one, college isn't getting any cheaper, and uh, you know it's expensive. It just is expensive, and it's really hard. You know, cost of living five dollars a gallon for gas. You know, all these things make it really, really yeah. difficult for us to it's save. five dollars here. It is here. We I don't mean, know but, what it's, is there. but it's but it's yes, you know yes. it's close. Yeah. It's like four seventy, I think, right now. Yeah. But yeah, my point yeah. is it's not getting any cheaper. Wages aren't growing in accordance, you know, with with year after year. So, you know, it's hard to save up thirty thousand dollars an extra year per year for sure. college. So this sure. could potentially be an amazing thing, but it does come down to communication. Like you said, Greg, it comes down to yeah. communication and say yeah. what is best for this child? Yes. You know? Put aside our fun. differences. What's the best for the kid? You know?
2: When we're filling out the FAFSA there are five types of assets that are not counted. You do have to disclose them, but they aren't a part of what is called the expected family contribution.
3: Which is always shocking when you see what that number is. You're like, well, I don't know where they think we're getting yeah, that money. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's true. But they, when they look at your assets, they do not count five assets. One, the equity in your home. Two, the equity in your business. Thirdly, uh, qualified retirement plans. So we're talking about 401ks, IRAs, SEPs, SIMPLEs, all the 403b, all those, all those plans that the, your employer has put aside for you, or that you have done. IRAs, including. And then they don't count annuities or cash values of life insurance. Now, so beginning the sophomore year of your high school education or earlier. So it has to be done at least two years prior to your FAFSA. You can begin to make some asset relocate allocations. You can do some adjustments and maybe take a CD and and pay off, uh, take a CD and pay off some of your mortgage, add equity, or increase your qualified retirement contribution, or, uh, move some money into a, some, an annuity or a cash value life insurance. Th- those are just some little tidbits mm-hmm. that, uh, well, if, if we'd have known it, we probably could have done a little better on our FAFSAs.
0: Well, to me, that's oh, brilliant I because for... I wouldn't even have thought of that mm-hmm. because, you know, moving some cash around or, or money around into accounts that aren't going to qualify is really going to help, uh, you know, your mm-hmm. parents or the kids without having to take out tons more loans, mm-hmm. you know, and really to hurt them in the future. Uh,
2: You can take one tool like a Roth IRA and do two or three things like a Swiss army knife. That Roth is for our retirement. Okay. But what if I told my son, now look, if you maintain a 3.5 GPA and you stay out of trouble, whatever you set as a family, a covenant between the two parent and child, if you do this, then I'll take my Roth and pay off your student loans when you graduate. Wow, and I can pull money from a Roth tax-free and without penalty if I'm over fifty-nine and a half. But tax-free for anything over if you've had it for five years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you can use a tool like a Roth IRA that is designed for retirement and combine it with some mm-hmm. college funding ideas.
0: Well, this episode has been full of knowledge, and we appreciate. You guys is openness and willingness to share and, you know, your knowledge of, of you know, so many things. You know, I'm gonna encourage people that, you know, if you didn't have an opportunity to watch the whole show, make sure you go back from the beginning and watch the entire thing. Uh, you know, you do have the pause function, so if you want to rewatch it, but uh Greg, Janita, tell everybody if they wanted to contact you, if there was a way for them to get a hold of you, uh, how would you prefer them to get a hold of you?
2: Well, my my personal email would be best, would be my last name, Pettus, P E T T Y S, Greg with one G at gmail.com.
0: All right. Well, I will make sure to put that down in the comments. And uh, so everybody has an opportunity if they have any questions or want to connect with you, uh, you know, and get some of this stuff uh, taken care of. Maybe that's something you could help them with or at least lead them in the right direction. Yeah. So, man, we are just honored and blessed that you guys oh. were willing to come on today and share. And uh, Our kind of, privilege
2: and honor. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, yeah. Chris.
0: Yeah, we really pray yeah. that uh, that anybody that was on here today that, you know, there's hope for marriage. And there is hope, even though it doesn't feel like it, in the finances that happen in your relationships. Yeah, so, we were excited about this one. Yeah, this was good. This was really good. We really appreciate thank you guys you. coming on and doing this.
2: You guys are a really blessing. Thank you. You're ins- inspirational to all of us. Oh,
0: thank you guys so much.
3: Nice to meet you guys. Thank
2: you.
0: Same. Well, hey, we hope you enjoyed today's episode with Greg and Janita. I mean, there is so much knowledge that was in today's episode. If you are a blended family or if you're even going to be in a blended family, it is so important that you reach out to Greg. Listen, just ask for some advice. Just look to him. Maybe there's something that you don't know. And he did mention that today on today's show. So we really want to thank you for being here. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next Tuesday at 7. Bye.